Hey friends, welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm a speaker, author, and life coach. Some weeks I share what God is teaching me, and other times I invite a friend to join me on the podcast and we chat about what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Here we go. Welcome back to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Now, before we get started, I have a secret I want to share with you. I really, really want to be a talk show host. There it is. I said it. I want to highlight people that are doing amazing things and inspire others to believe in themselves, too. I sound like I want to be Oprah, but since the world already has one of her, I would just like to be me interviewing her. Well, I research folks coming on the podcast, even my friends, and I want to write the best intro and ask the best questions. Of course, as a coach, I love asking questions anyway. So if anyone is listening, I don't really know how to make that dream happen. So I'll just keep filling up this little part of the airwaves until I'm discovered. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, kind of. Anyways, let me ask you a question. Do our dreams really require endless hours of hustle in order to get them? Or do we pray and leave it up to God to open doors? Even if it's a little of both where we pray and work toward our dreams, how do we partner with God and not go off on our own? How can you discern the difference between godly obedience and selfish ambition? If you have a dream, then I bet you know what I'm talking about. You want to have the courage to surrender to his plan and his timing, to choose obedience over hustle. I'm so glad there are people like Melinda Fuller who can help us navigate these kinds of hard questions. I invited her on my show, but we've never met or even talked until now, so we're testing out my improv talk show host skills today, and you get to experience it. Melinda is a bold communicator who is passionate about thriving families and helping people grow as disciples of Jesus. Her first traditionally published book, Obedience Over Hustle, The Surrender of the Striving Heart, released in September 2019. Melinda's work has been shared with audiences of Propel Women, Proverbs 31 Ministries, Relevant Media, She Works His Way, Darling, Huffington Post, Crosswalk, and so many more. She challenges us to join the countercultural movement of choosing surrender over striving. Throughout Scripture, we encounter individuals who had to face the hard reality that their dreams and timelines weren't God's best plan. Ouch. By exploring these biblical narratives alongside her own stories of radical obedience, author Melinda Fuller encourages readers to respond to the questions God asks each of us. Will you trust me? Will you do what I'm asking you to do? In today's podcast, we will talk to Melinda about how she learned obedience over hustle and how we can too. Oh, And Melinda's been happily married for 14 years to her husband, Alex, and is the proud mom to her daughters. Together, they said yes to a radical adventure of obedience that makes my heart smile. Once you hear it, you'll understand why. So let's get started. Melinda, thanks so much for joining me today on The Jill Monaco Show. 
Thanks so much for having me here today. Yeah. You know, I've gotten a chance to listen to you on other podcasts, and although I haven't read your book yet, I need to buy it. It's not like, a, oh, I want it. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is an issue for me, and I'm sure for many of my listeners. <laughs> so um, I want to jump right into that. But you know what I realized is we started recording, and we didn't pray. So can we do that? Mm, can we just? Absolutely. Yeah. Lord, I just thank you for this powerful woman with this powerful message that we need to be obedient over hustling God. And she, you've given her so much wisdom. And Lord, we just thank you for what she's going to release over the audience today, that your heart will be shared through her. And I thank you. And I just ask that you anoint our time together. And um, yeah, we love you, Lord. Thanks so much. In Jesus' name. All right. Amen. So there you go. Real, uh, real stuff on the podcast here. <laughs> so how about that? How is that a great start that, oh my gosh, I forgot to pray for us because I just jumped right in. Okay. So that's life, right? We do that. Absolutely. Well, can you share um, a little bit with the audience more about um, your life and where you're at right now and your family? I know you guys are doing something a little bit different that I think my audience is going to resonate with. Yeah. So our family back in August of 2019, we sold our home in California and we sold all of our furniture and about 90% of everything we owned. And we purchased a fifth wheel trailer and a truck, and we have been living a nomadic life ever since. So, um, just at the end of August, so we've been on the road full time traveling, full time homeschooling. Um, my husband and I are both working, and so we're living a nomadic life. Um, the first three months, we had seen 10 states and 10,000 miles, so we're moving pretty quick. Yeah. And um, mostly traveling um, to hit my husband's work commitments. Um, and so kind of following his job around a little bit, which has been fun. And um, yeah, we were already a homeschooling family for four years prior to that. So that was just a continuation. And our kids are fairly adventurous. So when we told them what we were doing, they were on board and excited to go on an adventure and started charting out which friends in which states they were excited to see. And um, yeah, it's been a crazy wild adventure so far. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I did it by myself, which had its challenges, but with kiddos along in tow. Yeah. Um, we intentionally purchased a trailer that gave everybody their own space. So they actually have oh. their own room with a door. Really? And then they have a half bathroom as well. And they are on one end of the trailer and my and my husband's room is on the other end. So there's definitely um, a bonus to driving around a 42-foot trailer. We mm -hmm. are almost as long as a semi-truck when we are all hitched up and driving. So wow. it's, it's no small no small <laughs> feat, but um, it's been really fun. And we've been able to connect with so many um, friends and reconnect with old friends and turn online friendships into real-life friendships. So it's been, it's been really beautiful and a lot of... Most of my husband's business is working with local churches, and so it's been really just fun and beautiful to see, you know, churches represented in all different states in all different ways, and um, 
it's definitely been a wild <laughs> ride and and there's definitely a learning curve to being nomadic um yeah. but it's been really fun and people ask us all the time if we feel like there's things that you know, we're giving up in order to do this. And the answer is, of course, but those things will always be there. And we feel like the sacrifices we're making, they just pale in comparison to what we're gaining at the end of the day. I know a little bit of your backstory, but really the reason you went on this adventure was really something about obedience. Can you tell us what led up to this? Yeah. Um, so the adventure itself was a step because my husband used to travel a lot. So he was gone, um, you know, five months of the year in 2018. And so the travel piece was out of a, like that, that part of our story really started because we um, wanted to create something better for our kids. And we wanted to make sure my husband was part of that and really believe in experiences and a strong family core value. Um, the book and the obedience piece of the book, um, that was really birthed out of me feeling like I was going crazy trying to keep up with everybody in my life and, you know, trying to have a career and homeschool my kids and, um, you know, be like the Joanna Gaines who bakes fresh bread and feeds <laughs> my children all organic food. And then there's also this burning desire to write. And um, and I knew that from a young age, like writing and speaking was something that God had like created me to do. And I didn't have any time for any of that. And um, one day I was at a, I was actually at an event. For creative women and business women, and I just felt like the Lord saying, "Hey, like you are striving and you're trying to do all of the things, and I haven't asked you to do all of these things." And He asked me, "You know, who's your provider?" Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's really easy to say, "Oh God, you're my provider," right. but then take it all back when we are killing ourselves to make the next sale or to climb the ladder or you know, to be successful or to hit our next sales quota. And, um, and so I, I was a massage therapist and I'd worked in a chiropractic office for a long time and I had a great career and, um, I gave that up and it was a 30% loss to our monthly income. And at the time we were living in Orange County, California, so pretty expensive down there. And we were on a ministry salary. So Mm-hmm. Not exactly rolling in tons of money, and we had just increased our expenses at the same time by about 30%. So oh, man. financially, it really didn't make the greatest sense, yeah. um, but we just really felt like um, if I wanted to be at home and be intentional with my kids and my family, that something had to give, and um yeah, so I kind of pulled everything off the calendar for a while. And so I quit my job and I stopped being involved at church. And I just really plugged time into my kids' homeschool and then into loving our neighbors really well because we just mm-hmm. moved into a new neighborhood. And so we just opened the doors as often as we could and we loved our neighbors really well. And then I focused on writing. And those are like the three things that I feel like God asked me to do and do well. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and the book really just came out of that one decision and then every decision that's come after that, because I think a lot of people, a lot of women, especially, 
you know, are doing a lot of things for a lot of good reasons. But at the end of the day, my question to them is, well, is this what God's actually asked you to do in in this season of your life? And with your current, you know, relationship and family situations or financial budget situation, you know, I think a lot of the time we have a great idea or we feel like God's calling us to do something and we assume that that means tomorrow and what he might have spoken to us may not come to fruition for a long time because he needs to put all the right pieces and players in the right spots. And, um, and so my, my, the, the continual lesson that I have learned in the last five years now has just been obedience. Like, Lord, what are you asking me to do right now in this season that I'm at, um, with what's, you know, right in front of me. And sometimes it's a big, bold move, like quitting my job. Right. And and sometimes it's a really simple thing that nobody's ever going to know about. And um, and the full the full circle story um, is that years later, three years after I quit my job, in the same month, in the same week, my husband did the same thing, and. Wow. Um, just felt like it was time for him to start his own company after years of talking about it. And so we just took another giant step. And then, um, you know, nine months after that, we ended up launching into the full-time travel thing. So it's been a really beautiful story with like God's hand and this continual ask from him of like, will you just come with me? Will you just trust me and obey me? And like my ways and my plans may not make sense to you, but I trust me, it's best. Right. Um, it reminds me of Abraham where when God said, you know, we oh, go sure. to a land and he didn't know <laughs> where he was going. He packed up right? his family and it's like, all right, we're leaving the only home we've ever known to go someplace. Yeah, Abraham for sure is one of them. Um, like Noah is one just because, you know, God sometimes asks us to do things that aren't really on our radar. Like being a shipbuilder probably wasn't on Noah's radar starting that project when he was 500 years old, you know, <laughs> or and and then there's like the obedience of somebody like Joseph or somebody like King David who, you know, there is like this moment when these men are teenagers where God like calls them out and like gives them like a vision of the future or a word for their future. And it's decades later when that comes to fruition and, and just like the beautiful part of like that God is like molding them and shaping them and teaching them and growing them up and maturing them a little bit until they're fully able to step into that calling or that purpose or that dream that he's given them. So, yeah, there's lots of scripture, Old Testament and New Testament alike, and just what it looks like to follow Jesus um, in obedience and what it looks like when other people hustle really hard and they end up making a big mess because they're trying to accomplish God's plan in their own timing or maybe their own way. So when I talk about Abraham in the book, I actually talk about um, Abraham and Sarah and how God had given them a promise for the future and this dream of a a child one day. And instead of like waiting for God's plan to unfold in God's way, they tried to take it upon themselves to make that happen on their own. And Mm -hmm. hence why we have Ishmael and, and this, you know, disastrous relationship with their servant Hagar and, and just talking about what happens when we try and push God's hand and make things happen on our own. It tends to make, it tends to 
make a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it's really hard for us to just trust and wait, but his way is always best. I love how you said that, that, you know, his ways are always best. And yet we're, we get a glimpse of what he wants as the plan, but we don't know yeah. the path on the way to get oh. there. Right. Right. And I, I think one of the reasons why God doesn't give us the whole plan is because he knows that we don't have the patience and self-control mm-hmm. to wait to like see it happen in the right timing. And, um, and I think that's why he sometimes just gives us glimpses and, you know, it's 10 years later when we look back and we see like these breadcrumbs that he's left us and we're like, oh, now it makes sense. Right. Right. And I think that's so good of him. Like there are some dreams that he has given me a little bit of it and then it turned mm-hmm. out very different. But if he had right. told me how big it was going to be, I wouldn't have even taken right. the first step. It would have been too scary and felt too big. But people always say, like, if the dream's too big for you, then it's probably God, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know people say all the time, you know, oh, I I don't know if I'd have the faith to, like, step out and quit my job. And and um, the example that I give in the, in the book is, you know, when you go skydiving for the first time, you don't go up to 10,000 feet and then just get pushed out of the perfectly Mm -hmm. functioning airplane. Mm -hmm. Like you take time to train, like you go through training exercises on the ground, you know how to fall out of the door, you know which cords to pull. And so you train and you get the proper equipment. And then the first time you go up, you go with an instructor strapped to you. So if you totally freak out (laughs) and forget what you're supposed to do, or if there's something that malfunctions, there's somebody who's with you who knows how to handle it. And then the next time you go, you can go from a little higher and eventually you jump on your own. And, and I feel like God does the same thing with us. You know, he gently takes us by the hand into this adventure with him. And very few times does he require us to make this giant leap right from the beginning. It's usually small steps that we, that we take with him where he's, stretching our face muscles and and um, and causing us to grow as a result of our obedience. Yeah. You know, I think about um, the little steps of obedience he had me take that I didn't mm-hmm. know they were meaningful. Like the first right. time I heard about tithing, you know, as a new believer. Right. And I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, 10% is so much. And even though they phrased right. it like, oh, you get to keep 90. Like that's not helpful when that 10% is already delegated. Um, but the small step of faith there, and then God asked eventually, and I've shared this on the podcast previously, but when I lost my job, God, and I got a severance, the Lord asked me to give the whole thing to the church. And I was like, okay, like that was a bigger step. Um, and, and I, I just knew in my heart it was him. And when I say he told me, you know, people wonder how that message comes to you. And often for me, it comes with such a conviction and a peace. So it wasn't scary. It was exciting because I was like, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but the testimony is going to be super cool. And and even if we miss him in that and we're wrong, that I feel like God backs our faith up, you know? Totally. So and and then even from that, like, then what does it look like to be a good steward of more? And it may not be finances that you're giving more of, but more of your time or um, your heart or whatever. You know, you know what I'm saying? But those little baby steps are so important. Right. 
because that's what adds up to like a lifetime of following Jesus. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, You know, there are certain things that keep people from wanting to be obedient or even being in a peaceful place that obedience feels like easy or fun because that it isn't all like (laughs) grind. (laughs) Right. Yeah. What do you think are some of those things that keep us from wanting to be obedient? I think it's much easier for us to say yes to Jesus the first time because we don't actually know what that means. Like Mm -hmm. we don't actually believe that he's going to want to come and be involved in all the aspects of our life. Like (laughs) my, my emotional health and forgiving people or, you know, fixing my finances that are a mess or how I um, respond to my children or my spouse or like getting my health in order. Like those are all areas that, um, I don't think that most of us think about when we say yes to Jesus, we're just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I said a prayer and I've got some eternal salvation and, and I'm good now. And, um, and when he comes to us and he's like, Hey, you know what? Like, I know you've been praying cause you want to be healthy, but maybe like you should just clean up your diet and, mm-hmm. you know, move, move more. And we're just going to take a baby step. And that baby step like compounded is going to help you get healthy in the way that you've been praying and asking for a long time, but you haven't actually like done any work toward that health or like, God, I want to be debt free. And I want like this giant raise, or I want you to just like provide in crazy miraculous ways for me. And he comes to us and he's like, you know what? I just want you to live like under your means right now. And I want you to be like consistent in tithing and, you know, and giving. And I think, like the biggest um, barrier to our obedience is just selfishness because we just mm-hmm. want to do things our way. And whether that's um, choosing not to forgive somebody or it's choosing to always have the last word when I'm in an argument with my spouse right. <laughs> or, um, you know, like whatever that is, it's different for every person and it's different in, you know, seasons of our life as we're growing as, as people. Um but I think it's selfishness because yeah. it's saying, God, I, I got this. Like you can have like my faith and my church life and my Christian friends, but like, I'm, you know, I'm not really drinking that much. So please <laughs> yeah, don't right. come and ask me to change that part of my life. Or I'm not really spending that much. Like when he starts getting into those areas of our life, that's when we want to take everything back and just hold on. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and I think it's self, it's just selfishness. Yeah. And I think it's also like a desire for comforts. Um, and because I coach people around inner, like inner emotional health so much, my first yeah. thought when you say all that is most of the time when we're selfish, it's because we feel like other people haven't taken care of our needs or God hasn't taken care of our needs. And then we feel like we have to do it. And, and it's part oh, of the yeah. beauty of surrendering to God is saying, I trust you. Because I know your character and you're a good God. You're not a stingy God. You're not withholding from me. But you've got more from me that requires me to get rid of some of this junk in my life because I can't take the junk into the greatness that you've got planned for my future. Yeah, I think trusting the goodness of God is really what so much of it boils down to. Because if you know that God's good and you know that that's his character, then it's a lot easier for you to accept the things that he's coming to you with. Yeah. Like... 
I like, I know that my father loves me, that he wants to provide for me. So even if it doesn't look like there's provision coming, like I, I trust that he is good all the time. It's not like mm-hmm. God was good for me last month and he provided for my needs last month, but now he's going to run out and suddenly there isn't going to be enough for me. Like right. I trust that God is always good. He's always faithful and he's his it's abundance like everything that he has is in abundance um it's not like he's just a little bit good or that his provisions are just enough they are abundant and um i think that's something that we've really grown in as a family this last couple of years is just trusting that like my father my heavenly father wants even more for me than what i can dream up for myself and I have some pretty big dreams, so <laughs> um, it's a really right. And I'm like, okay, God, like let's dream together then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my favorite verse is Ephesians three twenty. You know, now to him who's oh, able to my do life first. mine too. See, I knew yes. we were connection, connected. <laughs> but he, he's always, I always joke that, you know, he says he's able to do more than we can even imagine or think, depending on what translation you read, the words are different. But I'm like, I have a huge imagination. So God, all right, right I take this challenge with you. I'm going to challenge you because if I can dream it, you can do it. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, and that the dreaming thing um, makes me think of the different ways that people have dreams in their heart and they wonder, like, is this me? Is this God? And, you know, they, they people struggle. I mean, I struggle, too, sometimes. Um, now I've just yeah. started saying, well, I'm just going to try it and see if it's God. Where in the past, I was like, I need to know it's you before I take one step. Right. Um, what do you right. say to people who like have a dream in their heart and they kind of fall into like at first it starts being obedient to God in little steps, but all of a sudden, like they realize they're striving and it's turned into hustle? Well, I think one of the ways to not get there is to have good people in your life who are going to like keep you, you know, in checks and balances mm-hmm. and make sure that you are not hustling and not striving and you know, my husband's a really good person in my life to do that. And then I have a couple of friends who, when I tell them what I'm working on, they are quick to say, hey, like, is it, is God okay with this? Like, is this the right season and the right time for you to be working on this project or doing this thing? Or have you got too much on your plate? I think, you know, if we surround ourselves with those people, it's a lot harder to get to a place where we're kind of burnt out or exhausted and um, working from the hustle as opposed to just having a good work ethic. And mm-hmm. there's a big difference between those two things. Um, and I think for anybody who is there and they've realized, you know, especially, you know, it's really easy at the beginning of the year, January one, we've got this long list of things that we're going to accomplish. And then we get, mm-hmm. we get through January and, you know, sometime in February, a lot of people like burnout. <laughs> yeah. They're exhausted and trying to keep up with all of these things. And um, I would say, welcome to the club. Been there, <laughs> done that. Um, and th- there's lots of grace for being there. And I think that there is this ancient tradition called Sabbath that is starting right. to make a comeback. And that makes me really excited because, yeah. um, you know, from the very beginning, like this isn't just a um, an Old Testament, like a Ten Commandment command. This is 
day seven in the garden with with Adam and God saying, hey, I don't actually need to take a break, but I'm going to show you what it's like to take a break because this is good for your health, your physical yeah. health, your mental health, your relational health. Um, and I think it's okay to just press pause regardless of where we're at in our year and on our goal list and just and just breathe, take a breath, rest, um, recalibrate. And kind of go through the questions of like, okay, what is on my plate right now that's the most important thing? And where have I been giving too much to other things? Um, at the end of the day, I don't think anybody lays on their deathbed and wishes for more time in the office or right. more time to hit a sales quota or more time to do more work. I think most people at the end of their life regret not giving more to relationships. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, that's a big one for me. I think a lot of people fall into workaholism and the definition of that is achieving a goal at a cost. Mm. And so I think a lot of people are, you know, sacrificing their families and their friendships on the altar of being successful or being productive even. Mm. And, um, and I don't think that that's very honoring to the Lord because when I, read the Gospels, I constantly see Jesus like pulling away. He has a super long ministry day where he's like from sunup to sunset and he's like preaching and healing and doing all this stuff. And the next morning he gets up and he like pulls away and spends time with his father and he's alone or he takes his disciples and he goes off and prays. And I think that's really important. And it's something, especially in our super connected, super plugged in world that we live in today, that we are taking a a day to just stop to, you know, Sabbath means stop, like stop working, stop striving. Like in our family, it means that I don't cook on the Sabbath. I cook the day before the Sabbath. So Mm -hmm. we are just warming up dinner. We aren't doing chores. We aren't out shopping and running and doing errands. Um, we are doing things that we take a nap, we sleep late, we, um, you know, we read books, we do things that like feed our soul. Yeah. Um, and we're with family and we don't, we aren't with people that we feel obligated to be with because I mm-hmm. think that happens a lot on the it Sabbath. Does. I think you gave some really good practical examples because people wonder like, what does the Sabbath really look like? Does it mean sitting around doing nothing? But you said, like, it's things that feed your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion. Like, how can we nurture those parts of us spiritually and emotionally and relationally? Because I've said this before in the podcast, but it's worth saying again that we only give away what we have. And if all you have is hustle, then that is what your Sabbath ends up looking like, too. That's what your relationships feel like to other people when you show up. So I think there's a lot that happens um, when we walk into a room. Like you can feel when someone's been fighting kind of when you walk into a room. And I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if I don't get enough rest and I don't get my Sabbath and I'm I used to I've man, I used to be a workaholic and I still fight it. Like it's still a habit that I've had in my life that I have to set boundaries to myself because I work for myself. So sometimes I'm like, my boss is so mean to me. <laughs> it's actually me. Right. Um, but uh-huh. setting those boundaries so that 
in during the week, I'm not working 12 hours and finding that Sabbath because I show up with that energy. So if I'm exhausted, then that's what people that I love are getting. And I want them to get good parts of me, not just the leftover parts, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite um, teachers, he's a pastor in Portland. Um, He talks about Sabbath a lot. And um, he says, you know, when we start with Sabbath, that's where the rest of our week comes from. Like Sabbath shouldn't be something that we're like Mm. rolling into kicking and screaming or like dragging ourselves into at the end of too many weeks without rest. Like when we start our week with rest, and it, that doesn't necessarily mean Sunday. It can, it, that day floats, right? We're not right. going to be legalistic about it. Right. Um, but when we start from a place of being filled up, like everything else flows from that. If you are listening and you're struggling to get that Sabbath or that rest or having a, a work, you know, ethic that is good, but still not too much like what I had tempted to be falling into, that's all obedience for our good right? Like God's like, I love you so much and I have things for you. But if your hands are full with all these other things, I can't give you that thing that I've been preparing for you all this time. So last year, God asked me to simplify. That was my word for 2018. And that was hard. I had to let go of some things, but oh my goodness, the things that came in 2019, I wouldn't have had the capacity for if I hadn't given up some things. Right. So, and I kind of, and I went against what people said, like, you know, I'm in the middle of, you know, writing my next book proposal. And so, you know, there's all these things that you have to do in order, you know, to qualify. And I actually would love is, I know that we're kind of running towards the end of the podcast. So for anyone who's an author, I'd really love for you to hear this part of what Melinda um, experienced because I'm a huge believer and I'm super passionate about this right now that if we focus on whatever Jesus, like Jesus did what the father said, right? And we build God's kingdom out of a place of surrender and joy instead of building our own platform, um, we can fall into that with social media. We're just drawn because we feel everyone's doing it. And I fight against that. And I know you have a story along those lines, too. I'd love for you to share. Oh, I have so many stories along that line. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, had, I had so many people who told me that I would never get a book deal um, because of the word obedience. Mm. Um, I actually had an acquisitions editor who told me that they loved the idea, but they would never be able to sell it to the marketing team. So, um, And then they told me, it's, it's good, but you're not big enough. So go spend a year building your social media platform and then come back to us and we'll have to change the title. And I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. Mm. Um, because God hadn't called me to have a hundred million followers on Instagram. Like God had called me to write some words down. And I think the fact that my book got picked up in three months and then published within 12 months, which is really fast. Mm-hmm. for a first-time author. Um, I just think it's a testimony of the fact that like what God asked me to do was write the words. And he and he is, it was always his message. And God, if you want to make this happen, then you're going to have to do it. Because my reach was only so wide mm-hmm. because I didn't have a huge platform and I didn't have a ton of connections in the publishing world. 
And I think it's just this beautiful testimony that God can do whatever he wants with our lives if we just open our hands and say, okay, like, I trust you. I'm going to bring what I have and I'm going to let you do the rest. Um, so, like, yeah, my story is that, like, I found an agent. Um, he was able to sell it within three months, which is pretty fast first time author with a small platform yeah um and then it was on bookshelves like within 12 months which is super fast because normally for a first time book it's like 18 to 24 months um and yeah I mean it's yeah it's um it's a beautiful story and I hope that it's really encouraging for other you know soon to be aspiring authors um that you need to do what God asks you to do and trust that like he does see that bigger picture and he's the one who controls the other players mm-hmm. and the pieces on the table and um like I knew that for me the message was going to always be obedience over hustle that had been like the phrase I never sought out to write a book I just started writing some blog posts and then a couple of publications really liked the idea and then one day my friend said, Hey, I think this might be more for you. Like, I think it might be a book. And so I just kept writing and kept Mm. writing. And then, um, a writing teacher and coach of mine had said, Hey, if you're this, you know, if you wrote this many words, you should probably stop and (laughs) work on a proposal. And so I worked with the writing coach to put together a proposal and, got an agent after a lot of months and he was the first one to tell me um you know the platform will come organically as the lord wants it to and he said i think your message is really needed especially in the church and he wasn't afraid of the fact that i didn't have a large reach because he he believed in the message and that was like the Mm -hmm. first person in the in the like publishing world who really like believed in me and believed in the message and you know, so many people now are like, well, what's your speaking platform look like? I'm like, I don't, I don't really have one. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really feel called to go get a, you know, speaking agent. And to do that, I feel like the Lord, again, is going to open those doors for me as he sees that the time is right or that I'm ready. Yeah. And, um, yeah, cause it's not always even just about us. It's about, the right time for somebody else and the people that he brings into our lives and the people that, you know, he crossed our path with. And so, yeah, um, yeah. I hope that, I hope that part encourages somebody. (laughs) Yeah. And not just authors, but people that want to build a business or have a dream to start a nonprofit or a for-profit or, you know, create an invention or even start a family. Like everybody has advice in the way that it worked for them. But I just hope listeners hear your heart, which is like, just do you do what God tells you to do. Don't give up on the vision he's given you. And I've, I actually posted something on social media that said this, like other people don't get your vision because they didn't see it. Like God gave you the vision to see it and no one else can see it the way you see it. Because you are gifted right. in different ways. And so I think that's part of the fun of just dreaming with God. And um, and we can listen to too many voices that kill that dream or that vision because, totally. because we feel like ill-equipped or I don't know anything. I should go to the experts. So I just want to encourage anyone oh, listening. Like, I hate that line. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> um, 
yeah, let's, I just want listeners to feel encouraged to just be obedient to God because it, it just will bring the, the desires of your heart that he gave you already are going to come to pass in the way, in his timing, in his way, in his plan. And it's going to be way better than you ever imagined, just like it did for Melinda. I think your story is awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, I think it's so easy to get it caught up in the the experts, what the experts Mm -hmm. tell you to do. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that can get really exhausting to always be trying to do what all the experts say. And so I'm like, really? The expert of our life is the Lord. Yeah. And so you need to like go and step out in faith as long as you have peace. And you have people in that are closest to you that are have peace with you and the decisions that are you're making. And um, at the end of the day, like you're the one who stands before the Lord and gives an account of your life. Nobody mm-hmm. else has to do that. And so, um, yeah, if you have yeah. peace and He's telling you to do something, you better do it because mm-hmm. um, not doing it, not doing what He's asking us to do, like that—that's a sin. Like that disobedience and it doesn't matter if it's a big thing or a little thing so um yeah and it might be totally terrifying Mm. and um usually is but like that's where the (laughs) great yeah that's where the greatest stories like come Mm -hmm. from and the greatest testimonies they come on the other side of us saying yes to him and stepping out in faith and I think that's the story people need to hear. Like, I was scared, too. It's like our testimony getting saved. Like, this is what my life was first. And then Jesus came, and this is what he did. And right. now this is the peace and joy I have and the health and all of those things. And same thing with our dreams. I think he cares about our dreams because he knows, like, some yeah, someone's going to read your book and be blessed. But I think he cares more about his relationship with us. And the journey develops that. Mm-hmm develops that intimacy with him, yes. which is way more important than the outcome. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Usually when you're writing a book, I think it's just as much about what God's doing in your heart and like the character that he's forming and the lessons that he's teaching you as it mm-hmm. is about all the things that you're hoping to um, pass along to your readers one day. I know yeah. that's my story anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's sometimes I'm writing and I'm like, I never really thought of that before until I just flushed that out. It's one of my favorite things to do. And even for people who aren't, you're not authors, journaling is so, it's a really beautiful way for you to just entertain the thoughts that you have in your head, get them out, talk to God about, is that a lie I'm believing? Is that a healthy thought? And just processing, I think is just a really rewarding experience and and a different way to encounter God. Absolutely. Huge fan of journaling. Me too. So, you know, I want people to, just as we wrap up, I'd love for people to know how to find you. And I, I've i researched a little bit. And if they're interested in your journey across country and your nomadic lifestyle, you have something oh, yeah. called The Fuller Adventure on Instagram and YouTube, right? Yes. Yes. We are, we call ourselves the Wolf Pack and we have t-shirts. And <laughs> so our trailer is the Wolf Den and we... My husband likes to do the YouTube thing, and so we are trying to keep people apprised of where we are and what we're up to. So Instagram is the Fuller Adventure, and um, the the YouTube videos will hopefully be more consistent in 2020 than they were in 2019. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. And what's your website so people can find you there as well? Oh, yeah. Um, so MelindaFuller.com, nice and simple. 
And then on Instagram, that's where I tend to show up the most on social media. Um, just Melinda Fuller, nice and simple. Easy. Well, for everybody listening, if you want to find Melinda, I will be sure to put all the links to her social media and her website and even some of the things we talked about in her book in the show notes of this podcast so that you can be in touch with her. Melinda, thank you so much for your time today. It was such an inspiring conversation. Jill, thanks so much for having me. I had a blast. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, my friends, I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Melinda about obedience over hustle. And her book is called that. And the tagline is The Surrender of the Striving Heart. And you can find that on Amazon. And um, I'm sure through her website, if you want to see other places it's sold. I am so glad you joined us today. And if you would, please leave a review and let us know how you like this podcast. It is so great when we get those comments because I'm encouraged. But then other people who are looking for this kind of content are able to find it organically as well. So again, be sure to check out jillmonaco.com to find all the show notes to this episode. And most importantly, remember, love well, you were made for it.